I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 12 Recap Edition. And it has been a bumpy week. Lots of things to adapt to in the world of the NFL. But most importantly, congratulations to the Detroit Lions fan base for ridding yourself of the Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn era. Now, please, please just don't replace them with Jim Harbaugh. I am quite literally begging you right now. Enough about the Lions. We have 11 games of glorious NFL action to recap for you. And joining me, as always, is the most dynamic mind in the world of IDP, the important nonsense IDP MVP at the real NWB, me, Wallace Bruce. Me, my friend, how's it going as we close out week 12? Well, Jack, remember early in the season when we had a raft of injuries on a Sunday afternoon, shaking up the fantasy landscape? Well, week 12 pretty much said, hold my beer, folks, because we had Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, James Conner, and Jonathan Taylor all testing positive for COVID. The Broncos had no recognized quarterback. The Niners have no recognized home in December. And Todd Gurley's knees flared up just in time for the fantasy playoffs. All of this before a ball was kicked on Sunday afternoon. Look, the takeaway here is to pay attention to the news reports throughout the week and adjust your rosters accordingly. If you want that chip in 2020, you need to be checking this on the daily. Thank you for joining me, and thank you again for your advice. Wise as always, I consider myself lucky getting to work with you and absorb some of the knowledge that you just radiate. And of course, it's not just me joining me. As always, we are joined by the Doctor of Dynasty, a man who can seemingly look into the future. It's at Dynasty PhD. It's Dr. John Chansey. John, how do we feel with another week in the books? Yo, Jack. Hey, Nee. It is I, Dr. Dynasty. I am back. I'm feeling good after a great weekend of football and sports in general. I can tell you what, I'm doing a whole lot better than Nate Robinson, that's for sure. Um, another, another, another <laughs> can you believe, uh, not only is Iron Mike Tyson, he's back on pay-per-view, bringing in the dollars again, uh, but also, can you believe they called that fight a draw. I mean, I'm starting to think Matt Patricia was on the side as one of those judges. I mean, come on. I mean, if you're watching that, it was all Tyson. But anyways, sorry to our fans, but all of the QBs on this podcast are also on COVID-19. So I guess you are stuck with us and we're going to wildcat our way through this week's recap. So uh, let's do this. Be sure to follow Dr. Chansey on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC, especially because we're nearing the end of redraft season, but dynasty season never ends, which means you need John for year round coverage, but you heard the man. Let's do this. Let's get down to the nitty gritty as we start with the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Buffalo Bills. This game had limitless potential and we end up with a surprisingly sloppy day from both offenses and some terrible coaching decisions from the Chargers ultimately cost them to fall 27 to 17 to the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, he ends up with just 157 yards passing, tosses a pick and loses a fumble. Thankfully though, for us in fantasy, saves his day with 32 yards rushing 
and a rushing score also tosses a TD pass to Dawson Knox. Unfortunately for him, though, he gets robbed by his own receiver. Cole Beasley steals the touchdown pass from Josh Allen with a 20-yarder to Gabriel Davis. So Davis ends up with a touchdown, 79 yards on three grabs. Cole Beasley, he snags two for 25, also has a 20-yard TD pass. Wait, someone's missing, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That's right. I'm sorry I didn't mention Stephon Diggs for the first half of this game's analysis, but the Bills didn't get him a catch until the first, the third quarter, so let's call it even. Diggs ends up with just seven grabs for 39 yards, and what was supposed to be a massive day from him, disappointing to see there, but rounding out Buffalo, they continue to ride the hot hand in that backfield as we see yet another split. Devin Singletary ends up with 11 carries, three receptions, and 102 yards. Great day from him. And Zach Moss, nine carries, two grabs, 68 yards. So they're never within, or they're never more than four carries, two targets away from each other. It's just frustrating. Yeah, speaking of frustrating, the Chargers got you know watching the Chargers is really frustrating because you know Justin Herbert is so much fun to watch, but this team just really isn't that good right now. Um, he seems to be able to elevate everyone around him, um, despite you know their 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 win loss record. Um, but for dynasty players, though, I think you need to keep an eye on wide receiver Tyron Johnson. Um, and this is more for deeper leagues. Um, he is a rookie out of Oklahoma State. I can't really hold that against him because um, he is a real deep ball threat for this team uh, with a quarterback who really likes to push the ball down the field. He only has five catches on this year, but four of those have gone for 50 yards or more. So, I mean, that's very much boom bust if there ever is such a definition. But he's someone you need to keep on your radar because he's only a rookie and he seems to have some pretty good chemistry with Herbert already. Four grabs of 50-plus yards is great for the best deep threat, and he's done it on only five receptions. That's so fun. Justin Herbert is so fun. And the Chargers might actually be good if Anthony Lynn weren't so awful. So picture this. Chargers are down 10. It's fourth down. Herbert throws a bomb, gets him inside the five-yard line, but they've got to hurry up because they don't have any timeouts. Rather than spike it, though, rather than attempt to pass, the Chargers run it, keep the clock going, and rather than have a chance to tie it with an onside kick, they just lose it then and there. It's absolutely disgusting. Anyways, Justin Herbert throws for 316 yards with a touchdown and an interception. Touchdown goes to Keenan Allen, of course, which was great, but he only ends up with four grabs for 40 yards on 10 targets. Hunter Henry, he gets 10 targets as well, seven grabs for 67 yards, but instead, the entire game plan revolves around Austin Eckler just running him right into the ground, even though he's recovering from a major injury. 14 carries, 11 receptions, 25 touches as he comes back from a torn hamstring. So why ease him? Why not ease him back? I don't know. They ran him into the ground, ends up with 129 yards, add the 11 receptions for PPR, but the rushing touchdown instead goes to Joshua Kelly because the Chargers, this is just what they do. So Char Kelly ends up with 35 yards and the touchdown on just seven carries. I would like to stress once again, Justin Herbert deserves better. Yes, indeed. Uh, the, the Chargers have so much potential, and Jason Draven, our guy in the team, he, he laments this each week as they, they get so far and then they just find a way to lose from a winning position. Anyway, one guy who was a winner on the day was IDP MVP Joey Bosa. The defensive end from the Chargers had eight total tackles, six tackles for loss, five quarterback hits, three sacks, one fumble recovery, and a pass defended. And because it's Thanksgiving, I also want to give thanks to um, linebacker from the Bills, A.J. Klein. 
He's come from the Saints this season, and he's stepping in for Matt Milano. He had 14 total tackles on the day, two quarterback hits, one and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, and a pass defended. So, if you need a linebacker for the playoffs, AJ Klein is worth a look. He is available in many leagues out there. Sticking in the AFC East, we'll move to the Bills' rival, the Dolphins at the Jets. So Tua Tugavaloa entered the game with a game-time decision, had a thumb injury. He's unable to go. Reportedly, this could end up being a multi-week injury. This means we were treated to another start from the magic man, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we just have to enjoy these every chance we get. We never know when it's going to be our last Fitzmagic start. So he leads the Dolphins to a 20-3 to victory, throws for 257 yards, two touchdowns, adds an extra 10 yards rushing. You just love to see it. And with the beard throwing it all over the yard, Devontae Parker has himself a day. Eight grabs, 119 yards, remaking that magic from last year that we saw. And then Mike Gusecki GMs come away happy as well. He only has two grabs, only 35 yards, but he finds the end zone. And 35 yards in a TD is just an automatic tight end one in fancy. That's how bad the position is. Other than that, the only other player with more than two grabs was another tight end, Durham Smythe. He gets three for 19. Adam Shaheen, he catches the other TD on a seven-yarder. And I should point out, folks, that we have a new cheat code in fantasy. His name is Malcolm Perry. He is a real-life wide receiver who's actually designated as a running back on most platforms. Keep that in mind. Not only that, he was also a quarterback at Navy. So he has those Cole Beasley little gadget trick plays in him as well. So the former Navy QB, Malcolm Perry, is also the reason that the Dolphins traded away Isaiah Ford because they know Perry is their future in the slot. Have Preston Williams and Devontae Parker posted up on the outside in 2021. But for 2020, you can play him at running back. And maybe the Dolphins should. With Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin out, Dolphins turned to DeAndre Washington, handed him the rock 13 times, only 49 yards, adds two grabs for 11 yards. Matt Breida's role doesn't change at all, even with the team's top two backs out. He gets eight carries for 36 yards, adds 17 yards on two grabs. And Patrick Laird, yeah, he fumbles on his only touch. So please get well soon, Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. We miss you. The fantasy community is better off with you. As for the Jets, though, what is there to say? They genuinely may be better off with Joe Flacco at quarterback. Sam Darnold completes 59.2% of his passes, only 197 yards, two interceptions with no touchdowns. Absolutely brutal. And because he's so bad, Jameson Crowder just three grabs for 31 yards. A little bit better on the outside. Brashad Perriman, four for 79. Denzel Mims, the up-and-coming rookie, four for 67. But, like, come on. You're being outproduced by Joe Flacco. Frank Gore, he had 74 rushing yards, three catches for 12 yards. Ty Johnson and Josh Adams combined for three carries and four yards. None of this backfield matters at all. Yeah, Jack, and I think from a um, from a team building standpoint, I think it would make more sense for the Jets not to play Sam Darnold because the more he goes out there and plays like this, how are they going to be able to trade this guy uh, when they bring in Trevor Lawrence? I mean, they're going to have to move on from Darnold and probably try to trade for him. So I think at this point, um, the, the less we see of Darnold, the better in terms of his value. But yeah, we can put a fork in the Jets. They're done. I mean, 0-16 is their future. Uh, and I think at this point, resistance is futile. 
Uh, their schedule, they get the Raiders, they go to Seattle, they go to L.A., the Rams, they get the Browns, and then they go to New England on the road. I think there's really not a winnable game on that list, especially with the Raiders coming off an embarrassing uh, loss. We'll talk about that later. So congrats to the Jets. Yeah, you're terrible, but you just won the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But uh, sorry, Trevor, that doesn't sound like much fun for, for him. Now, i got to stop you there, Doc, because Trev can do an Eli Manning and just refuse to sign with the Jets if he does get drafted by New York with the number one pick next draft in 2021. And then we might see a draft night trade somewhere else. Anyway, that's something to think about. The IDP MVP for this game is actually from the Jets. It is defensive end Quinn Williams. Williams had seven total tackles, one tackle for loss, one and a half sacks, one forced fumble, one quarterback hit, and two passes, two passes defended. So, while the offense isn't motoring along, that means the defense is out there and making plays. So, it's not all bad for the Jets. It is a lone bright spot for the Jets. And we do have some good news for the Cleveland Browns. So, heading into the game, Baker Mayfield, reminder, this was with 10 games under his belt. He was 6.14 total points behind Dak Prescott. And as you may remember, Dak played four and a half games. So Baker has an extra five and a half games and is behind him in fantasy points. Baker is also 2.9 total points behind Gardner Minshew, who played seven games. But good news for Baker. He shatters that today. Throws for 258 yards, two touchdowns, complete 65.5% of his passes, and doesn't turn the ball over once as the Browns eke out the 27-25 to victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I think that victory is, you know, probably locks, I would think at this point, probably locks the Browns into a playoff spot, I would think, without being able to look at their record off right offhand. Uh, but man, I, you know, just don't remind me of how bad Baker Mayfield has been playing at times this year. I think, you know, I think the, you know, this was a great game by Baker, but the way the Browns have, have schemed their offense, they're going to make the playoffs really in spite of Baker Mayfield. Uh, not necessarily because of him. Um, he had a great game today, obviously, but they will need, I think, more out of him uh, to have a chance of making it past the first round. And I think fantasy players, if you're rolling into the playoffs with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback, I, you know that that's still a possibility. I'm sure you're you've got to be hoping for more out of him as well. You got to be hoping for more games like this where he's completing over 60% of his passes and he's not turning the ball over. Um, otherwise, you, you might be in for a disappointment. Maybe the key to getting more out of Baker is getting more out of Jarvis Landry. He hasn't looked like himself to this point in the season, but then he pops off with the biggest game of the year so far. Eight grabs, 143 yards, and a touchdown. Baker's other touchdown pass goes to Austin Hooper, who catches two balls for 13 yards and the tud. But none of the auxiliary pass catchers really matter because Nicholas Chubb ends the day as Baker's wide receiver too, shockingly enough, because we know he never gets targeted. That was amazing to see. So Chubb, 19 carries, 144 yards and a score, three grabs for 32 yards, all told 22 touches for 176 yards. Pure dominance from our friend Nicholas. And to make his first start since week four of 27 for 218 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions as the Chicago Bears. Next week, Glennon was benched for Mitchell Trubisky. Minshew gets hurt. Jake Luton comes in. And before you know it, he's benched again for, oh, Mike Glennon. So 135 yards and two scores from Daddy Longnet, including four grabs, 96 yards, and a score from the six foot six, 222 pound fifth round pick out of the University of Texas, Colin Johnson.
And the other score goes to Tyler Eifert, has three grabs for 16 yards. Meanwhile, quiet days for Keelan Cole. He gets three for 44. LaVisca Chenault, quiet day as well, three for 31. Has Glennon earned another start? Or, if he's healthy, are we looking at the return of Mustache Mania with Gardner Minshew? You said it best. I think time is indeed a flat circle, Jack. But I think we're going to see some more Glennon. Um, I'm not saying this because he looks like an insurance agent, but I actually think that Mike Glennon, if he keeps this job, I think you you need to pick him up uh, in fantasy leagues, dynasty leagues, whatever format, just as an insurance policy for the for for the quarterback position for your playoffs. I mean, there are only. 32 of these jobs if you're playing in a deeper league and let's just say you have Lamar Jackson and, and you know um, I don't imagine he's going to miss much more time potentially than Tuesday but um, you know you want to have that insurance policy in your back pocket just in case you know a player like Lamar your quarterback who might be harder to replace in a deeper league if they go out you may have really limited options but you can plan ahead. So I think sometimes football needs, we need those bad quarterbacks because they are the ones that keep the other even worse bad quarterbacks away from the door. So let's roll with Glennon. Well spoken, my friend. And, you know, I have been stressing the next Arian Foster moniker nickname a lot, but that's only because James Robinson is the next Arian Foster. He is quarterback proof. It doesn't matter who's there. He's going to ball out. 22 carries, 128 yards and a touchdown, adds five grabs for 31 yards. James Robinson gives us 21.9 fantasy points before we even add on the PPR. The dude is an absolute stud. So after the game, the Jaguars fire their GM, Dave Caldwell, which is important because in Caldwell's seven years on the job, the Jaguars have had a top 10 pick six times. The only time they didn't was when they lost in the AFC Championship with Blake the Bolt Bortles. Head coach Doug Marone has been informed that the staff has full job security for the rest of the season. Nothing's going to change there. But you know what? I would just like to take this time to officially throw my name into the conversation for the Jaguars next GF. And I promise you, I will take Justin Fields. I support your nomination, Jack. Yes, I co-signed that. And I, I approve this message from the Jack Kavanaugh campaign for Jaguars GM. Now, in the interim, the Jaguars GM is Trent Balky. Now, that name may not mean much to anyone in the NFL world as fans, but if you're a 49ers fan, you know him very well. This is the guy who was the GM at the Niners when Jim Harbaugh left, when guys like Patrick Willis and others suddenly retired en masse, and that's when the team started to go downhill. Good luck, Jacksonville. I wish you guys well. Uh, anyway, the IDP MVP for this game was Joe Schobert. The linebacker had a revenge game against his former team in Cleveland, and he had eight total tackles on the day and a forced fumble, which is nice. So, a uh, sh- uh, silver lining for a rough day for the Jags. In our next game, we have two of the most electrifying Russian quarterbacks in the league today. Do it in dramatically different ways. So entering the game, Kyler Murray, 10 rushing scores in 10 games with his angry toddler running style. Cam Newton, nine touchdowns in nine games on the ground by just running through people. And then both struggle in this one, neither find the end zone. And when both quarterbacks are struggling, you got to give the edge to Bill Belichick. Despite Cam Newton completing just half of his 18 attempts for only 84 yards and tossing two picks, despite Cam Newton only having 46 yards rushing, despite only three players catching a pass in this game for the Patriots, New England Patriots get the 20-17 to victory over the Arizona Cardinals. 
Yeah, and I know they're below 500, but I really think, I mean, of all the years that he probably has deserved, I think Bill, Bill Belichick might deserve coach of the year this year more than ever. I mean, he's really outmanned and outgunned on so many levels, and he's found a way to ground two of the league's hottest quarterbacks in Lamar and Kyler. Um, but, I, you know, I hate to say this. I just wonder what this team could potentially do with a better quarterback. I, and I don't necessarily mean that as a shot to Cam. I mean, maybe he's still dealing with COVID, so I don't want to, you know, speak too harshly about him. But I just think his play uh, hasn't been that great as of late, obviously. And I, I really think my prediction now is I think the Patriots are – I'm going to predict they're going to be moving on maybe next year or perhaps bringing in some competition uh, to really push Cam to do better. So I, can, I just can only imagine what he might would do with uh, just a little bit better quarterback play, though. Honestly, competition is fair, and I thought replacement might be realistic, but they're playing themselves out of the Zach, we- Zach Wilson, Trey Lance sweepstakes, so I don't know about that. I also do think Coach of the Year is fair for Belichick, but like I said, three players had a reception in this game. We saw Jacoby Myers. He catches five of six for 52 yards. We see Demir Bird. He catches just three of seven for 33 yards. And then we see Nikhil Harry. He can't catch any of his three targets because he stinks. And then we see James White with a negative one-yard catch. But don't worry if you did start James White in fantasy because Sweet Feet scored two touchdowns on just five carries, 18 yards too. Sadly, Damian Harris struggled against this sneaky good Cardinals defense, only 3.4 yards carry, only 47 yards on the day. And we mentioned that Kyler Murray also struggled. You do have to wonder how much of that was the shoulder. He still completes 67.6% of his 34 attempts, but it's only for 170 yards, has a pick. And he also only ran the ball five times for 31 yards, wasn't keeping it in the red zone. So because he had those fewer carries, Chase Edmonds has, or sorry, he had fewer carries than Chase Edmonds, six carries for 29 yards. He adds four reps for 14 yards as well. And he had for sure less carries than Kenyon Drake, who totes it 22 times, 78 yards, which is a very Kenyon Drake stat line, but he scores twice, adds three grabs for 15 yards as well. And that's why Kenyon Drake was going in the first and second round of offseason drafts. Maybe he gets it going down the stretch. Don't count on it, but maybe. So Murray's shoulder injury obviously keeps everyone in check in the passing game. Five for 55 from Hopkins, three for 19 from Kirk, and Andy Isabella adds four for 33 while filling in for Larry Fitzgerald, who's out with COVID-19. Yes, indeed. It was an interesting game at at Foxborough. The Patriots won it at the last second with a Nick Falk kick, and it it was a tough day, tough day. But defensively, they had some shining lights, and the IDP MVP was defensive tackle Adam Butler. He had five total tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack, three quarterback hits, and a fast defended. Now, as I mentioned before, Bill Belichick's defense allows for anyone to step up on any given Sunday and get production. So, I wouldn't, myself, I wouldn't go chasing the points with this guy, but he's a name worth looking at um, if you need defensive tackle help. Now, just throwing my two cents in on the coach of the year, I can't go past Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland or Brian Flores in Miami. These are guys who have dragged their teams into the playoff picture against all against the odds. They're going to have a seat at the table with that one. Oh, it'll ultimately go to one of them. I just think Belichick does deserve some recognition. He is working really hard. And you know who else works really hard? Our boss at Nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham. So let's kick it to him and a word from our sponsors. All right, we are back. 
and I am not be psyched up when you're talking about Daryls. We're running thin in the front seven. They were without their starting D tackles to Forrest Buckner and Danico Autry. They also were missing their emerging stud linebacker, Bobby Okariki. So I called it heading into the game that the 103 rushing yards that Henry had in their last matchup was a super conservative floor. Well, you know, I was right. 27 carries, 178 yards, and a hat trick of touchdowns. King Henry is an absolute monster. I don't even know if monster is enough to describe this guy. As soon as the calendar hits late November, December, I mean, he just he just morphs into just this beast of, of at running back that I don't think can be stopped. Uh, and so I have to wonder out loud, even for dynasty purposes and fantasy purposes in general, uh, should King Henry be RB1? I mean, he's only 26 years old, and I, I don't even think we can look at this guy – with the normal, uh, you know, aging standards from an athletic standpoint. I mean, I don't think we can use those traditional metrics of 30 or what, you know, 28, uh, because he is from an athletic standpoint, like, unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, he's like the Wilt Chamberlain of fantasy running backs. Um, he could be doing this for years to come. And I think I might have him too low in my rankings, but where do you all have him in the pecking order of running backs? Uh, yeah, that's interesting, Doc, because end of last season i th i was looking at those metrics and i looked at the age and i kind of balked at him in dynasty i was thinking maybe we should move on because this might be the year where we see a downturn in the henry experience but that's not been the case it, he has held his form and probably maybe even gone to another level this season with the way he's been able to truck his defenders and score touchdowns um he's still up there i'd, I'd put him in the, definitely ahead of ezekiel elliott still behind alvin Kamara, but Top five, for sure. Top five. And yet it is important to remember, and this is hilarious to think about, but remember when the Titans were giving DeMarco Murray carries over Derrick Henry? So, yeah, not the traditional aging curve. Criminal. Of that. Absolutely criminal. It was so bad. Anyway, since Henry hogged all of the stats, Ryan Tannehill, he just kind of sat back and chilled, completes 59.1% of his 22 attempts, just 20, 221 yards, touchdown pass that goes to A.J. Brown. And I also called it on the Friday show that Brown was going to avenge last game's loss. You better believe he did. Four grabs, 98 yards, and a touchdown. But then to end the game, the Colts are trying to come back. They go for an onside kick. It goes right to Brown, and he houses it. So he ends up the day with 21.8 points plus the four PPR. Corey Davis goes for three, 70 yards on three grabs. Unfortunately, though, Joe Smith gets a goose egg. Breaks my heart there. I do have some breaking news, though. T.Y. Hilton has come out of retirement. I know it's shocking, but he came up big in this one. Four grabs, 81 yards, and a touchdown in his return to the field. Phillip Rivers was forced to sling it because of King Henry's takeover, which, of course, means he threw an interception. And he only completed 57.1% of his passes, but Rivers doesn't give a gosh darn about that. Still throws for 295 yards, two scores. Meanwhile, the second TD goes to Trey Burton, who ends up with three grabs, 42 yards, and the score. Michael Pittman, unfortunately, though, he gets boxed out. Only a 23-yard grab due to the unretirement of T.Y. Hilton. But instead, the offense runs around Naheem Hines with Jonathan Taylor out. Catches eight of his 10 targets, 66 yards, adds another 29 on the ground to come up with 95 yards on the day, plus the eight receptions for PPR leagues. Jordan Wilkins, though, he's done nothing to concern Jonathan Taylor, GM, for when he comes back. Wilkins averaged just 3.7 yards to carry on six totes, three grabs, and today with 57 yards total. Yes, today was all about King Henry, and th this translates to IDP as well. The IDP MVP is, unsurprisingly, on the defensive side for 
Indianapolis. It's linebacker Darius Leonard. Leonard was very busy trying to stop King Henry. He had 14 total tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, as Mr. Rivers often gives up, one quarterback hit, and a pass defended. So, the three of us have just given you three takeaways. Just to remind you, they are this. One, ignore Derrick Henry's age in terms of uh, peak peaks and uh, drop-offs for running backs. Two, start your yeah, linebackers against Derrick Henry. And three, don't start your defense, defense and special teams against Derrick Henry when he goes up against divisional opponents. Because he does this against Houston, he does this against Indianapolis and Jacksonville every single year. He plays them the second time around, and he just trucks them. Keep in mind. Well spoken, my friend. And in a moment that absolutely deserved to have full fans in the stands, it's unfortunate that we can't do to the world today. Teddy Bridgewater makes his return to Minnesota. Unfortunately, though, he comes up short, losing 28 to 27 to his former team. Yeah, I know the Vikings won today, but I still kind of wonder, you know, it's one of those what if scenarios that plays through my mind. But what would happen? What would happen for the Vikings had they just stuck around with Teddy? Teddy Two Gloves, instead of going all in on Kirk Cousins, I mean, yeah, Cousins played fine today, and from a fantasy standpoint, sure. Uh, but I think Teddy is just such a great story, and he's really fun to root for. And anytime he watches, I, I just, or anytime he plays, I have to watch. Uh, and I think, you know, Cousins, yeah, he's fine, but I think rooting for him is kind of like rooting for mayonnaise. It's not very exciting at all. I agree fully. Minnesota misses Teddy dearly. Thanks to a couple of return touchdowns, though, the Panthers O only has to score one TD. That comes on a strike from Teddy to Robbie Anderson. Teddy ends the day with 267 yards. That touchdown also tosses an interception. Robbie, he ends the day with four grabs, 94 yards, and the touchdown. Curtis Samuel, he comes up with five for 72. And DJ Moore, he ends the day with four for 61. Unfortunately, though, he suffered a non-contact lower leg injury that is feared to be serious. Thoughts are with DJ, and we wish him a speedy recovery. Does appear, though, most of Mike Davis's shine has evaporated. He was fine. He gets 18 touches, gets three receptions, 79 scoreless yards, but he loses 10 carries in a reception to the duo of Rodney Smith and Trenton Cannon. They combine for 36 yards, which just like back in the day, and by the day, I mean earlier this season, when Mike Davis was getting 100% of the workload, would have been 115 yards from him. Would have been nice, but I don't think we can rely on him the way we used to. So due to a combination of being down on the scoreboard and suffering an ankle tweak that forced him out of the game for a bit, ends up being a pretty quiet day from Dalvin Cook. No touchdown, which is sad. 22 touches, including four receptions, only 82 yards. So instead, Kirk Cousins wheels and deals his way around the yard. Looks shockingly good. But it is important to remember that the Panthers' defense is pretty bad. So Captain Kirk ends up completing 77.8% of his 45 attempts, 307 yards, three touchdowns. Two of those scores go to Justin Jefferson. He continues to make his case for the wide receiver one of this rookie class. But with Adam Thielen out due to COVID, we saw the ball spread around to everyone else. The offense completely changed. Everyone gets in on the action. Four players had seven receptions. So we already said Jefferson, he had seven. But Ola B.C. Johnson, he comes up with seven for 74. Kyle Rudolph hauls in seven for 68. And shout out to Jason and Jordan for that call on the Friday show. They nailed that one. And finally, we get seven for 63 and a touchdown from Chad Beebe, son of Bill's legend and former Super Bowl champion with the Packers, Don Beebe. Congrats to the Vikings. The son of a gun, Chad Beebe. I feel like his nickname should be BB Gun. Anyway, we can workshop that one later. 
the IDP MVP for this game is actually the best rusher from the game. And it's not on the offensive side. It's the safety from the uh, Carolina Panthers, Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin had 13 total tackles, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, one quarterback hit, and wait for it, two total touchdowns from two fumble recoveries. He is the first player to have two fumble recoveries from a touchdown since 1948. I don't know about you too, but I was not around back then. Anyway, Chin is a cheat code because he is a safety that often lines up at linebacker. So he's taking up that Luke Keekley role and he's getting in there in the down and the dirty. If you can manage to get him on your waivers, do so. Keep in mind that Carolina has a bye next week. So he may be under the radar. You may be able to pick him up. Fun fact about Chin, too, he is the first Panthers defender to ever score two touchdowns in a game. He did it on back-to-back plays. Absolutely amazing. And I am stalling because I don't want to talk about this next game. With the franchise start out for the Bengals, they turn to Brandon Allen to lead them. Surprisingly, this is a dramatically different team without the Bengal King, Joe Burrow. What is surprising, though, they played it pretty close, but it was still a bad game since he falls to the Giants 19-17. to But that's not all. New York has a fear that Daniel Jones has suffered a serious hamstring injury just when it looked like they were back in the NFC East playoff picture. Jack, I'll give you my quick rundown on Brandon Allen. Uh, Never trust a man with two first names. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, But as far as the Giants, man, I can't believe I'm saying this. They're on a three-game winning streak, but things are about to get a a lot more uh, tough for them as far as their schedule. They have Seattle. They go to Seattle. They have the Cardinals, the Browns. They have the Raven. They go to Baltimore, and, and the Ravens are going to definitely need that win to get in the playoffs. They close out the season with Dallas at home. Uh, that stretch really looks even worse if you consider that Colt McCoy is probably going to be the quarterback under center. Um, an interesting matchup or an interesting um, uh, set of players you'd keep your eye on, Darius Slayton, he caught zero passes today on two targets while Evan Ingram just feasted today. So I think you need to keep an eye on that going towards the fantasy playoffs. Uh, There's a chance you may not be able to play Darius Slayton, but you might want to buy a little more stock in Evan Ingram if Colt McCoy is going to be going to him as sort of a safety blanket down the stretch. Yeah, we'll see if Colt McCoy can lead the Giants to victory going forward. But for today, he goes 6-10 for just 31 yards. Daniel Jones had thrown for 213 yards, rushed for 16 before he went down. And as John mentioned, Slayton with the goose egg, Ingram pops off, six grabs for 129 yards, also loses a fumble though because Evan Ingram, we can't have a perfect day from him ever. Sterling Shepard chips in for a solid seven for 64 yards. That's just kind of like a classic stat line for him, 60 yards on like six, seven, eight grabs. Golden Tate, four for 36. He's irrelevant now. But with the Bengals leading for so much of the game, we got to see 24 carries from the Wayne train. Wayne Gallman goes for 3.9 yards a carry. Not great. Has a negative three yard reception or negative three yards on three receptions. I that's unbelievably bad. But runs for 94 yards, scores a touchdown. So it's ugly, but we get there on the day with Wayne Gallman for fantasy. The Bengals, though. Nothing to note. Like you said, Brandon Allen can't trust him. Completes just 58.6% of his passes, 136 yards with a pick. Also has a touchdown pass to T. Higgins, though, which is fun. We like T. Higgins. He catches all five of his targets, 44 in the score. Tyler Boyd, he catches three of six for only 15. So it looks like Higgins is the guy here with Brandon Allen. Shout out to Drew Sample, though. 
he snags four or five targets for 40 yards. This is the first time he has been a thing since that game CJ Uzuma went down. So with Brandon Allen back in the lineup, he is afraid to throw downfield. Maybe he becomes a thing again. And I'm not even going to waste your time on the RBs. 49 yards on 10 touches for Geo. Travion Williams, two touches, 11 yards. No sign of Samaj P. Ryan. Moving on. Before we move on, uh, shout out to the IDP MVP, safety from the Bengals, Von Bell. He had 10 total tackles as he did a lot of stuffing of Mr. Wayne Gorman. He had a forced fumble as well, which he then recovered, and a tackle for loss. So as a sudden, as I touched on last week, the weather's getting worse in North America. There's more running happening in games, and that means more tackles. So just keep that in mind in IDP. We go from a game that was surprisingly competitive to a game that I expected to be a blowout. And I was right on that fact. I just got the team wrong. The Atlanta Falcons trounced the Las Vegas Raiders 43-6. And after an 0-5 start under Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris now has the Falcons at 4-2 since taking over. Personally, I think the Falcons should blow it all up, trade Matt Ryan to Kyle Shanahan. But I'm starting to think that they're going to run it back next year with Matty Ice, Julio, Calvin Ridley, the blossoming Hayden Hurst under Raheem Morris. Just please get Alameda Zacchaeus more involved, please. Anyways, Julio is out. Matt Ryan completes just 56.4% of his 39 attempts, only 185 yards, tosses a pick, but he has two TDs and gets the win. So Calvin Ridley, of course, leads the day with six grabs, 50 yards, and a touchdown. Hayden Hurst, he gets in there for solid four for 48, and then it's Russell Gage with three for 34. Alameda Zacchaeus gets one for 11, which is sad. They need to free him, but I digress. But before we move on from the Falcons, I do have a question for you guys. So Todd Gurley was out, which made Brian Hill super popular waiver wire pickup. Unfortunately, this is a true committee with Gurley out. Hill leads the way with 13 carries and 55 yards. Smith, one carry less, 12 carries, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Also adds four grabs for 10 yards. So it looks like Ito was the play here. But this is a committee that needs a touchdown for either to, either to matter if Todd Gurley continues to miss. So back to my question, though. We did see the duo in the backfield combined for 4.8 yards carry, and the team scored 43 points. Todd Gurley officially done. Jack, I think so. With the judge in session today, with e with Ito and Hill, you know, being able to step up as a committee, um, I think so. You know, if we look at Todd Gurley's contract situation, he's a free agent in 2021. And I really don't know why or even how financially the Falcons could bring him back next season. Now, granted, he's only 26. He'll be 27 next year. Uh, but his knees are, are clearly much older. And I don't think he's really meant to play a full 16-game schedule anymore. Uh, so it's really hard to trust him on the field. But also, I think, from a fantasy standpoint, which is a shame, obviously, given his history. Um, you know, this, this game was a pretty one-sided matchup between these two quarterbacks. I think the Raiders, they just... I couldn't believe it. The Raiders, you know, really pooped the bed today. And, uh, you know, we know that's true because Nathan Peterman made an appearance and that's just gross. Uh, and the Raiders at this point really can't afford any more losses at six and five. You know, they have the Jets next week uh, in New York. They have the Colts, the Chargers, the Dolphins and the Broncos on the road at, at Denver. So, you know, they're going to probably need to at least get win four of those to get in the playoffs and maybe even, you know, five uh, the way the AFC is. 
Yeah, it does end up being a really one-sided game, especially with the QBs. Derek Carr, he gets 215 yards and an interception on 34 attempts. Sadly means Darren Waller, only four receptions for 23 yards. That just makes me sad. Instead, we get five for 56 from Henry Ruggs. That's nice to see. Five for 54 from Nelson Aguilar. And seven for 73 from the accountant Hunter Renfro. That was surprising. But what's worse, Josh Jacobs ends up with just 44 yards on 10 touches. That makes me want to cry. Uh, well, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, Jack, but Jacobs also left the game briefly with an ankle injury, so we need to monitor that during the week. Devontae Booker oh, great, might be... great, great. Hey, I might as well tell you now rather than you read it tomorrow or whenever you see the news, but yeah, Booker might be the guy to look at on your waivers if you don't already have him as a handcuff. We are in handcuff season. Anyway, the best rusher in this game is once again a defender. It's the IDP MVP. From Atlanta, linebacker Dion Jones. He took an interception to the house with a 67-yard return to boot. And he also had five total tackles on the day. This is a guy who's been in the shadow of Foye Olokun. But if you've been playing IDP for a few years, you know that Dion Jones is a household name. So people are sleeping on him. You might be able to pick him up at a discount. You know what to do. Uh, this is just so bad, especially I find out live on air that Josh Jacobs is injured now. So that's great. I think I need a moment, guys. So let's take a break. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right. And there are three ways for you to play. Stat shootout, rapid fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two or three player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup. I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve. You can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. 
This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. We are back with one of the most interesting games in NFL history. So the Broncos QB3, Jeff Driscoll, tested positive for COVID-19 because of some violations to protocol. Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, and Blake Bortles were all quarantined. So instead, we were treated to Wildcat City by the Broncos. We got to see Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman take snaps at QB. But the only player to attempt to pass was UDFA receiver from Wake Forest, Kendall Hinton. Hinton played QB at Wake Forest before he lost the job, forced to move to slot receiver. And it's easy to see why. He goes one of nine for 13 yards, two interceptions, and seven rushing yards. And that completion was a screen to Noah fan. So instead, we get 12 carries, 31 yards from Melvin Gordon, eight for 50 from Royce Freeman. That was nice to see. Still got some juice. And then nine for 20 from Philip Lindsay, who left with a knee injury, which is unfortunate to see. Wide receiver KJ Hamler, he also gets in there for two carries and negative eight yards. This was just an absolute disaster for the Broncos offense. I mean, as someone who had to play Jerry Judy today in one of my dynasty leagues, this was basically a bye week if you had to play any Broncos pass catcher. But then again, I mean, how bad their quarterback situation this year has been. You can make a case it's been a year-long bye week. So um, I'm also kind of wondering, though, if we might want to apply some of that same logic to the Saints when it comes to Taysom Hill when he's playing quarterback. I know, you know, last week I kind of pondered whether or not he would be able to hold on to that job but I think you know uh, Jack after you run down the numbers uh, you know it's not looking that great for him being able to unseat uh, uh, Drew Brees so I was a little uh, a little presumptuous with that you know with that assumption there so not a great day for pass catchers in general in this game so um, sorry to anyone who started a, a pass catcher from this game yep I think this game will go down as the Wildcat Bowl. We had a wide receiver and a tight end both dressing as quarterbacks on each side, and it, was, it wasn't it was pretty, quite frankly. It really was not. Taysom Hill completes just 9 of 16 for 78 yards, which kills all the pass catchers, but he does run it 10 times for 44 yards and two tugs to reward all those who played him at QB. Unfortunately, can't play him at tight end anymore. You sneaky ESPN users, you. Anyways, we do see 19 carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns from Saints running back Latavius Murray. Wait, what? thought I was going to say Alvin Kamara, didn't you? No, unfortunately, 11 carries, 54 yards, one catch for negative two yards. The week before, it was 45 yards and a TD versus the Falcons, and that's who the Saints get next week too. So I think it may be another quiet one from Alvin, unfortunately. Kind of seems like they're resting him when they get up. And they're not throwing the ball enough either. So just unfortunate to see Michael Thomas. He ends up with four grabs for 50 yards in this one. But he did have nine for 104 against the Falcons last week. So maybe we see a good game from him next week. Yep. Uh, unless someone like yourself tweets him again and causes a feud. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, anyway. Shots fired. No, that's that's not a, uh, anything on you. It's more on him. You just tweeted about another player and included him and then it caused a little wildfire anyway um idp mvp from this game is defensive end from denver demarcus walker he had three total tackles one forced fumble one quarterback hit one tackle for loss and two sacks so i touched on this last week with brandon allen with the um cincinnati Bengals. but well, i'm going to apply this to any backup quarterback now as we enter the 
time of the playoffs where backup quarterbacks are going to be a thing. Start your defensive linemen against backup quarterbacks. Just do it. There's always going to be big plays on offer. Speaking of big plays, the San Francisco 49ers give it their all to play spoiler for the division rivals and knock off the Rams 23 to 20. So, Nee, I have a question for you as the resident 49ers fan. I know you're in on the tank, but I know you're also still happy to see the 49ers get a division. Uh, sorry, I'm assuming you're still happy to see the 49ers get a win against a division rival. But would that answer change if it wasn't against a division rival? No, Jack, um, I had a thing about this, and I think a win is always good because, yes, this, this does look like a 49ers team that's building for next year. But the strange quirk with 2020 is that there's an extra seed in play, the seventh seed. So the Niners are now in an odd position because they're in the playoff picture. And if they win out, which is possible now that you have guys like Richard Sherman, Raheem Mercer, and other guys coming back. They, they could ha have a go at that seed. Or they could just mail it in and get a pick in the top half of the draft. I guess at the end of the day, teams like the Jaguars, Bengals, and Jets have been tanking a lot better. They're, they're way too far ahead in the early first round stakes. So maybe the Niners should have a go and see what happens. And big Richard Nick Mullins does get the win, which is why QB wins is a dumb stat. He completes just six, or he does complete 68.6% of his passes. That's fine. 252 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception, though, so we can't really credit the win to him. The biggest fantasy story for me, Jack, though, is we finally saw Debo Samuel leave the witness protection. I mean, this year has been rough for all 49ers, but I think Debo Samuel is one of those guys I was expecting a lot more out of in his second year. Um, he had 11 catches today for 133 yards. Gotta love that. Didn't find the end zone, but hey, you don't need it when he's putting up numbers like that. This year is just a wash for the San Francisco 49ers. So really at this point, I think it's about staying healthy, uh, you know, just to finish out the season strong. Knees right. Mathematically, they're still in the playoff hunt. I think it's going to be tough for them to do it. But hey, if you can build a little momentum going into next year, and still get a decent draft pick out of it. I, I think that's kind of best of the both worlds because I know they're definitely not bad enough to be in the top five and probably not even bad enough to be in the top 10 the way they're playing. So uh, this will be a really fun team to watch down the stretch as they kind of get healthy. It's going to be really interesting to see going forward. You're right, especially with bright spots like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk when he comes back. But for now, wide receiver two on the day, Kendrick Bourne. He gets three for 34. Richie James, he kind of falls to the back. One target for 29 yards. This game ends up being the return of Raheem Mostert. And he wasn't really impressive, only 2.7 yards a carry. But he has 43 yards and a touchdown. So that's 10.3 fantasy points plus he gets two grabs for zero yards so you can add that in in ppr so it's not a bad day at all it's annoying that jeff wilson stole 12 carries for 30 43 yards jarek wilson it's annoying sorry jarek mckinnon it's annoying that he also stole three carries and two grabs for 32 yards but Mostert will get that bell cow back roll soon enough on the other sideline though rough day for jared goff and goff in this one two interceptions only 198 yards passing. He was clearly flustered by that 49ers defensive line. Robert Woods, he's fine on the day. Seven receptions for 80 yards. But Cooper Cup, he really struggles in this one. Only two grabs for 41 yards. He actually ends up being out 
caught by Josh Reynolds. He has five grabs for 40 yards. And then at tight end, the duo of Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, they combined for three grabs in 22 yards, which isn't good from one tight end, let alone two. So that's very disappointing. The only bright spot for the Rams in this one is Cam Akers, who they is who they drafted the, them to be. Darrell Henderson, he struggles his way to 19 yards on 10 carries. Cam Akers gashes the 49ers for 84 yards and a touchdown on nine totes. So please, Sean McVay, please, more Cam Akers. Now, look, I don't know a lot about the Imperial measurement system, but from what I understand, Akers means long, and Cam Akers went long today. So, yes, play him more and play him often. Anyway, uh, the IDP MVP for this game is... Kerry Hyder, the defensive end from the 49ers, he, he harassed Jared Goff from start to finish. He had four total tackles, two sacks, one fumble recovery, four quarterback hits, and two tackles for loss. So all hope was seen to be lost when Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead went down earlier in the season, but Mr. Hyder, he's picked up the slack. And if you need a defensive end to pick up the slack, he's well worth a look in your IDP leagues. Of course, we have saved the best for last in the main event of the weekend in what will likely be the last time we have a regular season matchup between Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Yes, that's right, because Brady went to the NFC. It will now be four years before the Bucks and Chiefs play again, barring a Super Bowl matchup. So we saw a passing of the torch moment as Patrick Mahomes knocked off Tom Brady 27-24, and Mahomes throws 462 yards and three touchdowns. And I really feel like we're kind of desensitized to the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Because 400 yards and three TDs feels like nothing. What's ridiculous is that over half of that yardage, all three of those touchdowns, went to one player. And no, I'm not kidding. Tyreek Hill, 13 grabs, 269 yards, and three scores. Travis Kelsey, he has a great day as well. Eight receptions, 82. But because of those hogs, the trio of Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, and Nicole Hardman, they each have five or fewer receptions. They all go under 40 yards. CEH, he suffers too because of it. Only 39 yards on 12 touches. Le'Veon Bell, only 38 yards on seven touches. It was truly all about Mahomes, Reek, and Kelsey. Unfortunately for Tom Brady, though, he loses, and he's going to catch a lot of flack for this one because he tossed two picks. What he's doing at 43 years old is truly remarkable. It is unbelievable. 345 yards and three touchdowns from the GOAT. And yes, Tom Brady is the GOAT QB, and the GOAT tight end is Gronk. Six grabs, 106 yards. Unfortunately, no Gronk spike because no TD, which makes Gronk sad, especially in a Gronk loss. Whatever, great day from Rob Gronkowski. Chris Godwin, he goes big as well, eight for 97. Mike Evans, he only has three grabs for 50 yards, but two of those are touchdowns, so it's no big deal in terms of fantasy. And the other touchdown pass, shockingly, goes to Ronald Jones on a 37-yarder, his only catch of the day. And you throw in nine carries for 66 yards from Rojo. And it's a 103-yard and a TD kind of day from him, which, of course, meant Fournette had 20 yards on six touches. You may have noticed I haven't mentioned Antonio Brown. That's because he wasn't really worth mentioning. Only two receptions for 11 yards on three targets. And that's less than Cameron Brait, who had four for 34 on six targets. So how long before AB is unhappy? I don't know. We will see. Yeah, Jack. And, I, you know, I, you had lots of things, to, nice things to say about Tom Brady, and it definitely is just amazing to watch him play. But I'm starting to have some flashbacks 
of Brett Favre in, in New York with the Jets. I mean, yeah, they started off hot and kind of fell apart down the stretch. And I, I, I kind of see a little bit of that happening with the Bucks. I mean, there were some there were some moments where they looked like the best team in the league. They were even represented in terms of being the best team in the league and from a DVOA standpoint at, at certain points of the season. But right now, they're at 7-5, and five and they're the sixth seed in the NFC. And that seems pretty surprising and disappointing considering how much talent they have on their team. The only reason I don't think they will fall apart like those Jets did with Brett Favre is their schedule is just far too easy down the stretch. They have the Vikings at home. They have the Falcons on the road. They have the Lions at home or on the road, excuse me, who they just fired their head coach. Uh, and they have the Falcons to close out the season. I mean, that feels like four easy wins right there. So you're looking at an 11 and five team, but I think they're an 11 five team who's kind of limping into the playoffs and not playing their best football when they should be. I don't know about the Falcons, Doc. Uh, they, they just put away the Raiders. Albeit a Raiders coming off a short week. Anyway, um, this Chiefs team, they they had revenge in their mind. That's what I saw from today's game. When I saw Chris Jones, the defensive lineman, getting in Brady's face after a play, that was saying, yeah, you beat us in the AFC Championship game, but today we're putting you back in your place. And they did. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, the Buccaneers going forward. Anyway, IDP MVP for this game is from the Buccaneers. Linebacker Devin White. He had a lunch pail performance today with 12 total tackles. You love to see it in IDP, double-digit tackles. Let's eat it up. And that will round out the day. And as it currently stands, we are sitting at halftime of the Monday night football matchup between the NFC North rival Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers. Packers have the 27-10 lead, which is unsurprising. Aaron Rodgers already has two touchdown passes, one to Devontae Adams, one to Mercedes Lewis. They also, or sorry, and on the other sideline, Mitchell Trubisky, he has a touchdown to Allen Robinson. He also has an interception, and he has a fumble. That was returned to it for a touchdown. Absolutely devastating. Mitchell Trubisky, you poor, poor man. But that is going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast, Week 12 Recap, as we close out what will hopefully be night one of a three-night straight NFL action with the Monday night matchups between the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles and the hopeful tentative return of Tuesday Night Football as the Baltimore Ravens travel without several starters to try and unseat the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. On does your future vision have any insights into the coming days? And do you have any parting words for all our friends in the audience who've got to enjoy your words here tonight? Oh, certainly, Jack. My first thought, so I don't think anybody should take any kind of gambling advice from me again, apparently. Well, I'm just kidding. Not really. Uh, seriously, though, last Monday was rough. I liked the Bucks at home. They were four-and-a-half-point favorites. They were playing against the Rams, who were without Whitworth, their left tackle, uh, who you know was really good about keeping Jared Goff upright. I thought they could take advantage of that mismatch uh, and make Jared Goff uncomfortable, and that was not the case, so I was completely wrong there. Uh, this week, I had the pleasure of picking two games. We get Seattle, who are six-and-a-half-point uh, favorites at, on the road, excuse me, uh, in Philly. Uh, we get Pittsburgh. They're 10-point favorites at home against the Limping Ravens. Uh, there's some rumor and innuendo right now that suggests we might see a heavy dose of Jalen Hurts against uh, Seattle. Hey, if you remember back when the when Cam, how well Cam looked against Seattle, um, that might actually be a lot of fun and really exploit a good matchup. So, um, But for this game, I think you should stay away or take Philly if you really just have the gambling bug and you want to play 
tomorrow night, take Philly. Um, Seattle's defense is pretty bad, and they usually play close games. For the Steelers, I obviously think takes Pittsburgh, even with 10 points. Um, I think you take that and run. I just think the Ravens are too beat up. They're missing too many players. So really, this game probably shouldn't even be on the books, but who knows? Here we are. So parting words, just be good. Be safe. Don't hurt anyone. Don't let anyone hurt you. And, and wear a mask, folks. So be sure to follow John on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC because I said before, Dynasty season never ends. You need this man's big, beautiful brain all year long. We also need the big, beautiful brain of Nee Wallace-Bruce as he continues to deliver us cheat codes and hacks to set our lineups while crushing it on the IDP side of things. Nee, do you have any insights into Monday and Tuesday night football? Do you have any parting words for all your fans out there in the stands? Thanks, Jack, and thanks, John. It's been a pleasure as always. Looking back to last week, I did suggest Micah Kaiser and uh, Carlton Davis in Monday Night Football. If you needed help with that, go ahead. So, fingers crossed. I, I just, I think with Thanksgiving being the weekend where we're at, I think we should just be grateful that we have Tuesday Night Football if it goes ahead. As I said from the jump, we've had so many changes in lineups due, due to injury and COVID-19 recently. So, as we've been saying from the start on this podcast, you need to come correct your roster. And if you want to go deep in the playoffs, you need to have a viable lineup and a group of useful players who can step up and help you in time of need, like this week. Also, I think the increasing number of cases uh, of COVID-19 in the league, that's a reflection of the world at large. So now, more than ever, we need to be doing our bit by washing our hands, wearing a mask, and taking care of our hygiene. Now, Jack, what can our loyal listeners expect from RG3 and the rest of your Ravens on Tuesday? We can expect me to cry, my friend. I am not even a little bit excited about this one. I'm ready for the Ravens to be blown out. And it's okay to cry. There is nothing wrong to, with crying, but it does suck. But what doesn't suck is following me over on Instagram at the real NWB. Nor does it suck reading his work, John's work, and the work of all the other fantabulous people over at importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at nonsenseff. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and while it is okay to cry, it's better that we don't. So make sure you are taking care of your spells yourself, especially in these winter months, because you are awesome and you deserve it. So if you've enjoyed yourself today, please leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you haven't enjoyed yourself, I implore you to come back later in the week because the big boss show starring at nonsense underscore Steve and at nonsense underscore Neil will change your mind. You're sure to enjoy it. So until then, stay safe, wear a mask, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!